0: So we're going to be looking now into god's word together and uh, we, it'll come up uh, on the screen um, and we're going back into the old testament book of hosea uh, which you will i'm sure if you were here last night, uh, last week rather will remember it's uh, on page early 900s in the um, uh, bibles in the seats and we we've been looking we are looking for a few weeks into uh, some of the the smaller prophets, the shorter prophets, you know, not in height or or weight, but, you know, in in size of book in the Bible, um, who were prophesying, bringing God's word in the Old Testament into the kingdoms of Israel and Judah at a a particular time in their history in the uh, 8th century B.C., and uh, we, we last week we began to feel uh, the the weight of Hosea's message. Next week we're going to have Dan's doing two weeks on Joel, uh, and then uh, the following uh, two weeks I'll be doing a couple of weeks on Habakkuk. Uh, so if you even didn't even know where they are, well, you know we'll find out uh, it through the summer. And last week we we saw that uh, Hosea begins with this powerful message. Uh, describing a broken relationship. You see, God's people, he says to them, in in, in really shocking language, as as you will see if you read it through, God's people, he says, look, you're you're behaving like a prostitute. Rather than being faithful to God, who uh, should be like your husband, he's saying to the people of Israel, you're running after other gods. And, and, and you're no longer being faithful to the God who, as it were, married you and committed himself to you. You're running all over the shop. You're behaving terribly. And uh, God gives Hosea this shocking message. And the message he gives is, it's over. It's finished. That's the end. And what's more, there will be dire consequences for them without God. It's a, it is a... a, a you know as we saw last week we you can feel the pain in god's heart the anger and the hurt he feels about this and if you didn't weren't here then do listen to it online because you know we often we don't think of god's love as kind of having those kind of pain and anger and passion and those kind of things but love is relational god's a personal god and and he kind of describes this in this message through the prophet hosea But we also saw that there was in God's heart as well this hope that um, somehow it could be saved. And we saw that God's love is personal, that it's passionate, that there is pain, there is hope, there is hard work, and that it costs something. And we saw that all kind of worked out in Hosea's own particular family. So there's that element going on as well. That's all in chapters 1 to 3. But in the rest of the book, he goes on to record, uh, set down for us uh, and for the people around. And it's come down to us through the Old Testament scriptures of the Jewish people and then into the the Christian Bible. These are the messages he, he took around Israel as he shared this news from God. He went around kind of giving his talks, presumably. Uh, and and these, these kind of chapters here are, are written in poetic form. So if you want a, a technical fancy word, they're, they're known as oracles. But they would have not just been written, they would have been spoken and shared. This is, uh, Isaiah, uh, this is Hosea's message, basically. And why was he sharing these oracles? What was he doing? What was the point of it? Well, surely the point of it is that there's this hope That God's people, Israel, would listen to him and come back to him. Just like happened in Hosea's own family, do you remember? And the book ends with this passionate plea and hope of a restored relationship again. That's what we're thinking about. That's why Hosea preached it. Must have been that's why as we shall see the last chapter as this tremendous appeal to people to come back to God just and we'll see it's a, a tremendously moving appeal remember what we heard about Jonah when Jonah went to preach to the Ninevites what happened Jonah declared that there was going to be judgment on Nineveh the Ninevites turned to God and it didn't happen didn't happen for a whole generation presumably this would have happened as well if if hosea's uh the israelites had turned back to god in in answer to hosea's message maybe their history would have been very different now we know they didn't because we we've got the advantage of looking back over history but, uh, but we mustn't read what we know kind of back into the text. When uh, Hosea went around, he went around with his message of, of judgment to come, of God's pain, God's anger, but with this call, come back to me, says God. It was a genuine call. He wasn't just kind of blasting them, so to speak. So as we get into Hosea's message, here's the question then. Do you, do I, do we as a community, do we as a nation need to come back god again because you know the israelites as we saw last week were in a place actually where they needed to come back but they didn't even realize it they didn't think there was anything wrong they thought everything was fine can we sometimes get like that let's see what hosea has to say what's involved then in coming back to god It's one of the great themes of the rest of this book, and we're going to kind of surf it now this morning in these uh, few moments we've got. So let's hear what he has to say. We need to start off in chapter 4. That's on page 902. and uh, We're going to read verses 1 to 3 and a few others. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea are dying. Verse 6 My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. talking to the priests now. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. The more the priests increase, the more they sinned against me. They exchange their glory for something disgraceful. They feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. And it will be like people like priests. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not increase because they've deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution, to old wine and new, which take away the understanding of my people. They consult a wooden idol and are answered by a stick of wood. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. They sacrifice on the mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth where the shade is pleasant. Therefore your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughter-in-laws to adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution nor your daughters-in-law when they commit adultery because the men themselves consort with harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to ruin. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. I know all about Ephraim. That's another word for Israel. Israel is not hidden from me ephraim you have now turned to prostitution israel is corrupt their deeds do not permit them to return to their god a spirit of prostitution is in their heart they do not acknowledge the lord Whew, that's uh, quite heavy stuff isn't it there are three steps to come back to god here's the first step realizing We're kind of back where we were last week, and I don't want to go into it in in all that much detail. But again, there's this shocking imagery, isn't there, of Israel being like a prostitute. And he's getting it across to them. Hosea is getting it across to these people, but that, that whatever they may think, there is a very serious problem. They have to realize that there's a problem They have to realize that they were meant to be God's people. They were meant to be his loyal, faithful wife, but they were worshiping other gods. They were putting their trust not in God anymore, but in other things. They were were putting other things alongside it. They thought it was okay. Uh, Hosea says, it is not okay. You need to realize this. You're never going to come back unless you realize how serious the problem is. Now, as we said last week, it's called prostitution for for another reason. It was a kind of spiritual prostitution, but it just so happened that the the Baal worship uh, was uh, all about sex. It was based on a sympathetic magic of fertility. Went into that last week, so listen if you want to get more of that. But but what Hosea is saying again, look, this is a serious problem. And he's saying that the priests were leading the people into it. As I said last week, they, they weren't necessarily thinking, oh, we're leaving God behind, we're just adding a bit of Baal worship but everyone else is fine with it. It seems to work. Everyone's happy. You know, our, our you know our worship time is much more exciting than it used to be, or whatever. That's what was kind of going on. Now, today, if we're believers, we're all meant to be priests, aren't we? We, as the community of God's people, are described in the New Testament as a kingdom of priests. We worship the Lord. We point people to him. That's our job as believers. Now, our world gives God a passing thought occasionally, particularly in kind of popular religion. But mainly, worship, power, sex, money, stuff, violence, all this stuff is all in Hosea. And we know this is destroying people's lives, robbing our children wrecking our communities now if we're meant to be in that context priests pointing to the lord then we're supposed to be different aren't we to that we're meant to be pure we're meant to be devoted to the lord jesus he is our lord and chapter 5 verse 4 look at chapter 5 verse 4 explains just how serious it is and why Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. A spirit of prostitution is in their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. It's fascinating. Their deeds don't permit them to return to their God. See, what we do can block our return to God. What we do can kind of have spiritual impact in our lives. It all goes much deeper than that. Ask anyone who, who, watches pornography. It's not about what you see. It's what gets deep into your very soul. I, I read something, uh, yesterday. There's a whole, loads of guys in their twenties uh, are are trying to give up pornography because they are openly admitting that it's destroyed their 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 their, their souls. Your deeds block your return to god because it becomes a spiritual stronghold it might start as looking it starts as thinking and not just thinking about pornography but it is a very good example or it starts as just doing stuff just doing what everyone else does but it, it kind of ends up ruining us so his question hosea was saying Do we realize this is serious? Do we need to come back to the Lord? But there's another thing he wants us to realize. He wants us to realize what God really wants. Look at chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, these are the people speaking. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And then look at God's response. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore I cut you in pieces with my prophets, I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flash like lightning upon you, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Now all through this book, if you read the second part, you get these little glimpses of how God wants something so much better for us. these verses they sound very promising don't they to start with it sounds like oh oh that's good they're you know they're going back but but god's response kind of gives us the truth of it it's all very superficial a bit like you know kids kind of who've broken a curfew breezing back you know saying i'll be okay they won't mind don't worry they'll soon cool down it'll all be all right it's that kind of feeling you know God says in verse 4, no, this is serious. He says, your so-called love that you say, oh, let's go back to God. It's like the dew. It's lovely and fresh at dawn, but by 11 o'clock, there's nothing left of it. It's gone. So what does he want? He wants something from their hearts. You see, the book tells us they were doing all the right things. They were coming with their sacrifices. They were keeping God's feast. But it was that in their hearts they were going away from him. And God says to them, I don't, you know, I don't care about what you do with your sacrifices. I want your heart. I want you. I want you to know me. It's this desire for relationship. And he sees it. He knows when we're only trying to keep him off our back, so to speak. And again, we hear the frustration, the pain in God's heart. What am I to do with you? He says, I want you to know me. I want it to matter to you that much. We get the same idea in chapter 7, verse 13. Uh, I won't read it, but you can read it. There he said in verse 13, at the second half, of it, I long to redeem them. I long to redeem them. And then verse 14, they do not cry out to me from their hearts but wail upon their beds and so on. He's saying, you know, I'd love to bring you back. I want you back. But, you know, you don't cry from your heart. You're just kind of in pity. You know, things go wrong. You wail to yourselves in your beds. That kind, you know, the kind of idea. God's saying it's not real. It's not genuine. It's not from the heart. And I really want that from you. I really want it, says God. So what's the first step? God says come back to me and the first step for us individually perhaps as a community as a nation even well we need to realize realize that it's we need to come back realize that we're away from God we are in a serious state it matters to him realize that giving our hearts to other things is taking us into spiritual adultery God is hurt it matters he wants something different for for me and for you for us as his people now there's another step in coming back to god and that's remembering see all through these chapters if you read them and you can sit just sit down and read chapters well read the whole book in about 40 minutes probably if you're a reasonable kind of fast reader that's remembering. God, we remember. It says in 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 this this kind of prophecy, He cries out in in His pain and His rage. He says, "They forgot me, they forgot me." Now that happened over time. Generations had passed. They didn't mean to 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 do this. They just kind of got out of touch with the God that had loved them and blessed them and brought them to know Himself. they were forgetting who he is now it's easy to do that let me give you an example of 2008 who remembers 2008 i remember 2008 remember that was our our 80th anniversary at portswood church okay 80 years ago portswood church came into being and uh, i did did a bit of research and uh, alistair and others helped me and um i, I came across some in, interesting material uh, this church grew out of another little church down in st mary's called Ascoupart hall it was a kind of chapel down there but in passing, I heard a tape with somebody was giving the history. This was way, way back. Do you know down there, they had 1,500 children in their Sunday school in St. Mary's, okay? I, I was talking uh, or uh, in touch with a new community who've been doing, again, some research into the background of their building. Uh, Methodist Central Hall had thousands of people kind of meeting and, you know, in groups and, and you know, hearing about Jesus, now, I saw, you know, lots of you, you're shocked. You think, what, you know, and, and when I hear that, well, you know, 1,500 children in the Sunday school, some, you know, little kind of gospel hall place down in Askew Park Road in the heart of St. Mary's. Yes, it's a history. I didn't know that. And it's a bit like this here. Because, you see, we think our experience, we find it difficult to get anyone to come to church, you know, unless you're already full on, let alone 1,500 people registering their kids for for an activity. And we think our experience is normal, don't we? So we forget. And Hosea is, is kind of helping the Israelites to remember who God is and who they are as his people. So verse, chapter 9, verse 10, you can just glance at it. He says to them, I found you in the desert. When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. In chapter 10, verses 1 to 2, he says, Israel, you were like a vine that flourished before you started turning away. And then in chapter 11, that's where I really want to go to, he reminds them of something amazing. Let's look at how he was a father to them. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, it's hard to read this actually with dry eyes in some way, when not you think about it. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the baals and they burned incense to images. Isn't this? It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. It's a bit like looking at pictures of yourself when you were a child. My parents have got a picture of me when I was about three years old. You can tell it's me because my hair is the same as it is now. All all kind of bushy and pretty much the same style anyway. uh, There's nothing else I can do with it, so I'm told by the... Bob, who cuts my hair over the road, free, free advert for Bob over the road. Anyway, um, I'm standing on the gate of our house in Cows, a little house we had, uh, my dad and mum and dad had. And I'm standing on the gate, I'm looking over the, over the gate, and my mum tells me, that I'm, I'm not sure whether I really remember it or not, it's the trouble with the, It was because, you know what I was doing? I was waiting for my dad to come home at lunchtime from work. He worked in jets White's, a shipyard in Cows and could walk home from lunch. So I've seen that picture, I, I see that picture. Now, you know, my relationship with my dad up until he had a stroke two years ago has not exactly been brilliant, I have to say, but the Lord's done some things since then, I'm also glad to say. So to, to me, to see that picture reminds me, even though I've long forgotten it, the, the, the love I had for my dad when I was three years old. And that's what God's doing here with Hosea through, to the pictures of, of uh, to the Israelites. He's saying, have a look at some pictures remember remember the family photos i taught you to walk you know it was me says god in the desert i got to know you i rescued you i healed your gray's knee i helped you to learn stuff i taught you to play football or uh, ride a bike or sew or whatever it is you know Now, why does God want them to remember that? Well, the reason is clear in verse 11, verse 8. He says, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adama and so on? My heart is changed within me, and all my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the holy one among you. I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord, he will roar like a lion, and when he roars his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from a I will settle them in their homes God wants them to remember who he is and how much he loves them because he doesn't want to give them up so judgment is on the menu but it needn't be served that's the point remember Jonah that's what happened to the Ninevites if God was that gracious with the Ninevites surely he would be that gracious with the Israelites if they were to turn back to him. And that's the thrust of, of this message from Hosea. And Hosea reminds them in chapter 12, verses 2 to 6, which I won't read, but it's worth just noting, of the story of Jacob. Chapter 12, 2 to 6, is all about a kind of summary of the life of Jacob. Now, if you know the story of Jacob, I won't go into it, but Jacob was a he had a life of real ups and downs. There was his battle in the womb even before he was born. He arrived into the most dysfunctional family ever. He's caught up in deception. He deceives his brother out and tricks him out of his, his birthright. And then he's chucked out of the family. So he's like the black sheep of the family. He gets ripped off by his uncle uh, and, and all kinds of other stuff. He, he's up and he's down. And one minute he's kind of very devoted to God. Next minute he's behaving like a, a rat bag, so to speak. He, he's just kind of the life of Jacob is, shall we say, dynamic. <laughs> All kinds of things are happening in his journey. You can read it from Genesis chapter 25 onwards, and God's reminding them that that's how it is. You can come back. Jacob did. Yeah. So yeah. So you've fallen over and and and, and you know gone away from God. That's not needn't be the end of it. You can come back again. Because remember what God's like, remember who you are, remember how much he loves you. Remember that. So don't stay away from him. Come back to him. He's waiting for you, he's waiting for me to come back to him. It could be a big return, like the prodigal son. You know, you could you could hear the story of the lost boy, as it were, and come right back to God straight away, big time. You can become a Christian, that kind of returning. Or it can just be like a cooling down. Something, I've known this, can kind of creep into your heart. And then you realize what's going on and you remember, you come back. You return to the Lord. And that's the third thing. The third step. Returning. Realizing. Remembering. Returning. Let's look at the last chapter of Hosea chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made, for in you the fatherless find compassion." And then God responds, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like the corn. He will blossom like a vine and his fame will be like the vine from the wine, sorry, from Lebanon. Oh, Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I'm like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. And then a last word from Hosea. Who is wise? He or she will realize these things. Who is discerning? That person will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So Hosea's word from God ends with his invitation to return. Come back to the Lord. And he tells them what's involved in that kind of return. How do you return? Well, Hosea pretty much spells it out very helpfully. Look at verse 1. Through the book he's been saying it's serious, you've fallen over. That's the same word for for downfall and stumbling later at the end of the passage. He says it's because of your sin. It's because you've turned away from God. It's because you've gone off in the other direction. Because other things. It's basically the heart, our rebellion, our sin. So he says the first thing about returning is that we need to admit the mess we're in. And our responsibility for it. That's the first thing. Verse 2, he says, this is interesting, take words with you. See, there has to be, that that seems to me to imply a kind of an intention. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the Lord. I'm going to go back, a bit like the man in the prodigal son. I'm going to go back to my father and this is what I'm going to say to him. Same idea here. I'm going to go back to God and this is what I'm going to say to him. You're going to do something about it in returning to God. You're going to put it into words. That's why we often you know, would encourage you, you know, in prayer to say a prayer out loud. If you don't want to know what to pray, someone can kind of point you to one or pray through it line by line. Words, because it's not just in our heads. There's something real going on here you see, some of us uh, again you know when we have the children in sometimes don't, we don't do it so much we're more kind of um, health conscious but you know how do you get kids listening get a big tin of quality streets and chuck them out okay <laughs> chuck them out and, and you know so, uh, some of us are are, are like children may be kind of sitting there you know we, I'd like to return to God and I'm just going to sit here and wait till the sweet if, uh, if I get one and we think if I hang around Christians long enough or if I, if I Give them to church if I kind of, kind of do the right thing. So maybe a sweet, or kind of one day I'll just catch it. Hosea is saying, no, that's not it at all. If you want to, to return to God, if you want what God is offering, you go and you ask Him. That's the thing. What do we ask? Hosea tells us that we go with words, and what do we ask? Forgive my sin, he says. Receive me, second half of verse two. I, well that means I want. What does that mean? We may offer the fruit of our lips. Well, it's saying I want to be a worshipper out of a full heart of love. It could actually mean I want to sacrifice bulls as well. It's a bit of a, the Hebrew in Hosea. I'm told by the experts. I don't do Hebrew very well. Well, not at all actually. I, I do re, rely on commentaries and so on. But um, yeah, the experts say the Hebrew in Hosea is very difficult. But but it kind of works because what they're saying is. We, want, we don't want to just do this sacrifice stuff for the sake of it. We want, to, we want our lips and what we do to come out of hearts that are real and in touch with the Lord. That have really come home to him. Forgive my sin. Receive me. I want to be a worshipper. Verse 3 says, I don't trust in what I might do. Assyria, they were looking to Assyria to help them. They were forming alliances and... Uh, You know, Hosea's been saying all through the book, that's not going to work. You're putting your own kind of trust in these other nations instead of God. All through the book, he's been saying you've been giving yourself to the wrong gods. And so as we come back to God, what do we say? We say, my resources, (laughs) my war horses, my great schemes, or the things I've given my heart to. Those gods. The things I give my heart to, to find spiritual satisfaction. They're over. It's over with them. I've got nothing. I'm like the weakest person in society. In that society, it was a fatherless child. He said, because I'm coming to you, God, empty with nothing, because I know you're the one who has compassion on fatherless children. It's a beautiful kind of expression, isn't it? And I said before, returning it can be something big like becoming a christian it could be something big like coming back to the lord after years away from him or it could just be a small thing that you know has crept in and is kind of keeping you from from the lord come back to him and look how the lord responds verse four he says i will heal their waywardness by the way there's no gap Lou said a few weeks ago about Jonah. The minute we turn to God, he's there. He doesn't put us on probation and say, well, I'll see about that, you know. He's there. Look how he, uh, look how he uh, receives us. Verse four, I will heal their waywardness. Literally, that means they're turning away Everything that kind of got them to turn away, God says, I can heal that. He says he's promising a deep change inside, a change that that will literally kind of displace what drives us to those false gods. He says, I will love them generously. I will turn away my anger. Okay, so how can we be loved that generously? Where's all that anger gone? The whole book of Isaiah, Isaiah, Hosea is fuming with anger. Where's it all gone suddenly? Where does anger get turned away? Anyone there? At the cross. What does Peter say? He bore our sin in his body on the cross. A little time after Hosea, uh, uh, just, yeah, just a, a few years, I think, um, the book Isaiah is prophesying. Isaiah saw it even more clearly. How was God's anger turned away? Isaiah 53, verse 5, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him god's servant and there's a promise of refreshing dew to make us beautiful there's that image of a lily but also strong so there you go guys you you don't fancy being like a lily you can be strong like a cedar there's glory for god and blessing for others it's not from idols but from god himself i will answer him and care for him and so hosea's final word in, in verse nine he basically says, well, look, we can either walk in God's ways or we trip over them. He's warned Israel of judgment. He's offered something else for, any, for anyone who will hear and turn to God. Some of the Israelites did, but it was just a remnant, but some did. Hosea promises even more than that. Hosea is looking to the time when Jesus comes into the world. And when we're all welcome to know God. We can all come back to him. We can be in that relationship. Jesus is known for what? Welcoming sinners. It was one of the accusations they made against him. Forgiving sinners. Promising his life in us to heal our waywardness. The question is, are we going to come back and walk that way? Or are we going to trip over it and leave it? Hosea ends on that note with that question. And I think that's where I'll stop too. Look at this. I think it's a, a song that's kind of a parable, isn't it? To think over as we respond.